This is Alan Seaborn from Winning at Home. Welcome to In Progress, a podcast about faith, life, and how we grow. And for this episode, I want to share something that has been on my mind lately. And as I've been thinking through um, kind of what it looks like in a lot of ways to live out faith, I'm going to be at least in this episode and the next episode kind of talking about some of the practical, but at the same time, counter, I don't know, counterintuitive or more countercultural things that Jesus teaches. Because a lot of the times, the things that he values, even though we say we want to line up our values with him, um, those things aren't in all that great of alignment. And so I want to talk about a couple of those things. And uh, I feel like I wind up discussing, especially in the last maybe, I don't know, 10 to 20 episodes, just talking about our view of success, our view of achievement, our view of accomplishment. And I, I think that's been so on my mind. And I think I've seen that come up time and time and time again in scripture um, partly because, like I say, it, it really stands out as the opposite of what our culture values. And if we're realistic, it really stands out as the opposite of what we often value. And so I want to read a passage from Mark chapter 10. And I was going to do a little background, but I'll, exp- I'll get into the background more as I'm in the middle of reading the passage. So Mark chapter 10, verse 35. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him, who is Jesus, teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. And so <laughs> you can tell right from the beginning, they're really setting him up. We want you to do whatever we ask. And it kind of feels to me, this is on a smaller scale, obviously, but when people ask that question, hey, what are you doing tonight? And you know they are wanting to propose something. And I've never figured out quite how to answer that question because I want to say, well, it depends on what you're about to ask me, right? Because like, I don't want to commit to something before I even know what it is. And here... James and John, they're trying to put Jesus in this situation. Hey, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. Now, I want to pause there for a second because um, I think it's pretty easy to just go, wow, James and John really gunning for it. You know, like, hey, we're two of the 12 disciples. How about you just tell everyone we're your favorite two of the 12 disciples? And that was kind of my initial reaction when I first started, you know, reading through this passage. But then I thought, okay, wait a second. This is James and John. And probably many of you are familiar with this, but kind of the three disciples that were part of 
Jesus' inner circle, out of the 12 total disciples, were Peter, James, and John. So James and John are two of the three who they know that they're closest to Jesus. All the other disciples know that they're closest to Jesus. And so they're not trying to really edge out, um, you know, the way I think of it. They're not really trying to edge out 10 other people. They're trying to edge out one other person. (laughs) And they're asking this question. You see the end of the question. um, Can we sit at your right and left in your glory? And that kind of, you're like, okay, where is that idea coming from? Well, Mark chapter 9, the chapter right before this, was the story that we know as the transfiguration. Jesus took up on top of this mountain, Peter, James, and John, again, the three kind of inner circle guys, and at the top of this mountain, Jesus was transfigured. That's the word we use in English. The word they use in Greek is, um, it's basically metamorphosis. It's a little bit different. It's like metamorpho, but metamorphosis. And Jesus totally transformed right in front of them. And Moses and Elijah appeared and were talking with them. You can imagine that seeing an event like that, this transformation, transfiguration, metamorphosis, however it makes sense in your head to think about it. But Peter, James, and John, I mean, they, they already knew. They had watched Jesus perform miracles. They had watched him uh, do all kinds of healing, do all kinds of amazing things that they knew were supernatural. But I think this one would have stood out. And so in the next chapter, they're asking, hey, when you come in your glory, which is on our mind because we just saw it, you know, who knows how long ago, but in the previous chapter, we already saw this happen. I mean, can you imagine walking away from that kind of an event? Obviously, James and John were talking about it and going, what in the world was that? What do you think that even means? What's going to happen next? Um, and so they ask, hey, can we sit at your right and at your left in your glory? Because they're letting Jesus know, hey, we know that in finding you or being attached to you or, or whatever way it makes sense to think about that, we've really got something here, right? I mean, it's kind of a, it feels weird to call it like an opportunistic moment, but I think it's kind of that. They're looking and going, hey, I don't know if the phrase, it's good to be king had been invented yet, but I know that these guys understood the concept. They knew if you're the main guy, things are really good for you. They looked down at the coins they used for money every day and saw the face of their rulers on those coins. And they knew they had to pay a bunch of their money in taxes toward those leaders. They knew good stuff has a tendency to flow up, 
the hierarchy. And whoever's at the top of that thing, they're getting a lot of the good stuff. And they're not having to, you know, especially in a, um, in the ancient world that they're living in. I'm not trying to <laughs> diminish uh, leadership, but from the perspective of a Peter, James, and John type of a um, experience, I think they're looking and going, man, to be the top of this thing, it's probably pretty easy and you get all these amazing benefits. And so they're saying, Jesus, can you set us up for that? And Jesus, in verse 38, he says, you don't know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answered. Which they didn't know what he was asking or saying, but they were like, yeah, we're, we're in for that. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with, (laughs) which is really hard to say, by the way. Uh, But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. And then the next verse says what kind of feels like the inevitable (laughs) thing that would happen after a conversation like that. When the 10 heard about this, this is the other 10 disciples who, you know, James and John had tried to kind of elbow out of the way and get ahead of them in line in the pecking order. When the 10 heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles Lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. That's what I've been talking about here. The It's good to be the king. The good things flow up toward the top of the hierarchy. And they let you know about it. Jesus says, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And when Jesus there is talking about whoever wants to be great among you must be a servant, that word there, servant, it has some connotations, some ideas attached to it. Uh, One would be kind of the servant of a king, but another would be um, kind of an assistant, an attendant, or a waiter. And so to the people who are upset that there were two of these disciples that were trying to kind of climb you know, jump ahead a little bit in the uh, pecking order, the hierarchy, however it makes sense in your head to kind of describe what they were doing, jostling for position. Jesus said, um, actually, whoever wants to be great among you, 
needs to be a servant, an assistant, a waiter. And as I think about those ideas, what just immediately pops into my head is um, how many different jobs I've had before coming to Winning at Home where I worked with people who, when we were given our next task, people would say, "Ah, they're not paying me enough to do that. Now, whether that was uh, because it was too hard effort-wise or um, it was going to take too much thinking through strategically or it was going to be too messy of a job, that is a normal, natural reaction that we sometimes have to things where we go, eh, no, I'm not doing that. That's, That's kind of beneath me. And what Jesus is trying to help his disciples understand. And he would, I mean, they saw him putting this into practice, consistently uh, being there for people, consistently loving people, consistently uh, instead of coming as this conquering king who obviously had the power and the capability to make things go in his favor instead is walking from town to town and talking to people some of the people love what he's saying some of the people reject what he's saying and Jesus later after this um, on the night that he would be arrested, betrayed, arrested, and um, the end of his life would kind of, we'd start down the road toward his trial and crucifixion. He got down on his hands and his knees and he went around the table, and I've talked about this before, and he washed his disciples' feet. Now, he hadn't done that yet when he said this, But this was the sort of approach that Jesus took. And so to end this line, or to end this story with the line, for even the Son of Man, which that's when Jesus talks about himself, sometimes he calls himself the Son of Man. So he's saying, even I didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So obviously we know the biggest act of service, the biggest willing to do whatever it took. Example from Jesus' life was that he gave his life as a ransom for many. But he also lived with this servant approach the servant attitude. And he's trying to help his disciples understand that the way you see things play out daily is backwards. That trying to be as big, as important, as celebrated, as known, as famous, as popular as you can be because that's success. 
He's saying, no, whoever wants to be great among you um, needs to be your servant, your assistant, your waiter, serving people. And when I read through that, I think of, like I said, how opposite it is to a lot of what we assume. Uh, This has been a long time ago now. But there was somebody who, I was out of town at a speaking thing, and this story's just popping into my head now. I I wasn't planning on sharing this, and I, I hope you hear it in the spirit that I'm trying to communicate. Um, but there was a guy who was, I don't remember if he was an intern or had just kind of graduated from the internship program at the church and was starting to... Uh, work in a paid position, but there was something that needed to be done uh, either around the stage or around, you know, getting set up for the service, something like that. And this guy who was kind of either toward the end of his internship or, uh, you know, just had finished it up, he said to me, as this thing obviously needed to be done, he said, you know, I'm finding as I climb climb higher and higher in the leadership ranks or in the role that I have here in ministry, uh, the higher I get, the, fine, I, the more I find there's someone else there that can take care of that thing for me. And that line, I mean, that happened years ago is I probably <laughs> I probably butchered it even as I was saying it but you get why that concept really stuck out and really was memorable to me because that's just the way we naturally think and what Jesus is trying to reorient his disciples and us toward is to understand that our goal our job, our role, our hopes and aspirations is not to get to the point where there's someone who can take care of this for me. Our goal is to be the one doing the serving, to be the one doing the assisting, to be the one doing the waiting on somebody else. And I know that that feels weird. Like I, even as I'm saying this, I'm going, okay, how do I, how do I really wrap this up? Because it's, it's so different. And I think maybe what I want to do is, um, is just ask you to spend some time thinking about that. I think what I'm going to do is kind of Uh, Next episode will be, you know, kind of focus on being a bit of a continuation of this kind of idea and maybe break down and get into a little bit more what that looks like practically. But for this episode, I just want you to spend a little time wrestling with that because I have a feeling that um, it's so opposite of everything that we have been told to value, everything that we naturally value on our own. 
that it's going to take a little time. And so, yeah, I'm going to wrap it up there. I want to give you kind of the, not an assignment or whatever, but the takeaway to just spend a little time wrestling with this because I think it's going to take that. It's a disorienting thing. And maybe we've read through this before and go, yep, okay, that's cool, serve people. Um, But I want to invite you to think about it on a deeper level. I'm going to spend some time doing that too. And I want to encourage us, like I started this by saying, to take a look at where Jesus values are or aren't in alignment with our own. And I'm guessing that this is a huge area, aspect of life where that's true. So let's wrestle with this. Let's ask God to help us be more open to, I guess, just trusting this truth. Um, And we'll pick it up next week and kind of go from there.